If you got a Bible, go to Revelation chapter 5. Yes! And the word of the Lord is restore the roar. Restore the roar. Let me hear a roar this morning. I'll never forget um, when I was a teenager, a preacher came to our church by the name of Miles Monroe. Come on, how many of y'all remember Miles Monroe? And he's now in heaven, but he, came, he used to come often. And I'll never forget this one time he came. I was like 13 years old. My parents didn't let me go to youth service that night. They wanted me in the room to hear Pastor Miles preach. And it was a real treat. And so I remember sitting there and he shared this story about this lion. And, and it was so intriguing, I'll never forget it. Because something shifted in me that night when I heard this story. He talked about how there was this little lion that got separated from his parents, his family, at a very, very young age, something happened. And the little lion cub had wandered out into a field where a shepherd was watching a sheep. And the shepherd saw the baby cub, so small, very little lion, and took him in and began to take care of him, uh, make sure that he was okay, began to feed him, and raised him alongside these sheep. And so this little lion cub was growing up next to these sheep. Months went by, years went by. The lion was no longer a baby cub. Now he was a full-grown you know, lion, a teenager. Um, and here he is next to these sheep, and he's eating like the sheep eat. He's thinking like the sheep think. He's even bang like the sheep you know, sound. And one day he wanders to the other side of the field where, where the sheep are and he comes to a river and he looks in the river and he sees a reflection of his face. And he thinks that's strange. I don't look anything like these other guys. I don't look anything like these sheep that I'm around, but he doesn't think much of it. He begins to walk away from the river when all of a sudden he hears a roar. Everybody give your best roar. Sounds a little bit like Simba. We will get to Mufasa by the end of the sermon. And that's the point of the sermon. We're going to get that roar back. But the, the little lion heard a roar and he turns around and he sees a massive beast of an animal. Twice the size of him. Older, stronger, bigger, louder. Everything that he wanted to be was on the other side of the river in the face of this beast. This massive king of the jungle. And it was a lion. And, and, and when the big lion roared, the little lion cub that was now a teenager tried to roar back and he went, bah! you know, he couldn't get a roar out. It sounded just like the sheep. Day after day, this would happen where the big lion would come and visit that river and that younger lion would watch him in the distance and hear the roar and he would try to roar back. But every time it just smaller, it wasn't loud enough, meow, you know, it was these little roars. Until one day, the big lion looked at him across the river, and for the last several weeks, this had been happening, and it was as if this time he said, it's your turn to roar. It's your time to roar. Stop acting like someone that you're not. Stop acting like you don't have the voice inside you that was given to you from the Creator. Reach deep down inside your soul. It's in you. It's time to roar. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now prophetically but it's in you to roar. And that moment, the big lion roared, and that little lion, that young lion that had grown up among the sheep's sheep, all of a sudden, he roared back, and he found his roar. And the big lion looked at him and went, 
and walked into the jungle. And that young lion jumped into the river to cross to the other side to discover the tribe that he was called to run with. I remember hearing that story that Miles shared and I thought, that's me. I'm called to roar. I'm called to be a lion. I'm born to roar. And I was like, roar, you know, that night I went home, I looked in the mirror, I flexed my muscles. I was like the little kid on Little Giants. You guys remember the old movie, Little Giants or the big green? I was like the little kid and I was like, roar, you know, and I couldn't see it, but something began to grow inside me. And the point that he was talking about in his sermon was that we've all been called as Christians. We've all been called to roar. We've all been called to live with a courage. Proverbs says that the righteous are as bold as a lion and that the wicked flee, though no one pursues them. But in order to get your roar, you've got to find out his roar. And you might be wondering, what does God have to say? What is this all about? What's this roar all about? In Revelation chapter five, verse five, John Uh, who was a disciple of Jesus, was on the island of Patmos. He was the longest living disciple. Here he is. He's writing the final book of the Bible. He's writing about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, Armageddon, tribulation, the second return of Christ, the rapture of the church. He's writing about this. And all of these things are wrapped up in these scrolls. And no one can open the scrolls. He's having this vision, this revelation. No one, by the way, we are getting closer and closer to the end times. If you haven't been watching what's going on in the world, we're getting closer to the end times. And so here, John is afraid. He's discouraged because he sees these scrolls with all of the information that the church needs and no one can open the scrolls. And all of a sudden in verse five of revelation five, one of the elders taps John on the shoulder and he says, do not weep, John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Some of you in the room are like, what does that mean? (laughs) The seals, the, the, the scrolls. It meant that Jesus was greater than the spirit of Antichrist. Jesus was greater than the overwhelming confusion and uh, overwhelming oppression that was trying to shut down the heavens, that Jesus, the lamb that was slain, the one who went to the cross did not stay on the cross. He went into the grave. He went down to the pits of hell. He stripped Satan of all authority, all power, and he rose from the grave. He has prevailed. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, sin, where is your sting? Oh, confusion. Oh, coronavirus. You have no power over the name of Jesus. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Don't play down my savior. Don't weaken my savior. A lot of people like to call Jesus the little lamb. No, no, no. He's the roaring lion and we're in the roaring twenties and the enemy has tried to silence the church. We're living in a Daniel in the lion's den moment right now. If you haven't realized, there's a lot of lions surrounding the church. The lion of closure, left and right, churches are closing. And I don't mean closing for the coronavirus, I mean closing for good. On the phone with pastors who said, I can't even afford to have our church open anymore. We can't do anything, we can't serve anybody, we can't help anybody. We tried the online thing for four months and we're just, we're closing our doors for good. So there's a lion of closure, a lion of defeat. There's lions staring Christians in the face saying, shut your mouth. Don't say a thing. You might offend people right now if you stand up for what you believe in. So there's a lion of silencing. 
Like when Daniel was in the lion's den, these weren't just nice, sweet little lions. They were ferocious lions. They wanted to attack him. Why? Because Daniel had broken the law. The law of the land was you should pray to no other uh, person except for King Darius. And Daniel opened his windows loud and proud and prayed to God. He prayed. He, come on, he opened his church and he had prayer service. He had worship when they said, you can't do that. Daniel was a rebel in the middle of a cause. And he wasn't doing it with a bad attitude. He was doing it with a reverent fear for God. He feared God more than he feared the government. We got a lot of people who fear the government more than they fear God. We got a lot of people who fear political correctness more than they fear God. A lot of people who fear what the mob might do. Oh, they're going to cancel me. Fine. Jesus said, if they hate you, they hated me first. Besides, if they all love you, something's wrong. If you're not getting canceled for something, you're probably not standing for anything. So there's this fear, all these lions surrounding. We're in a Daniel and the lion's den moment. And the only way to stand up against the mouths of lions is to have the heart of a lion, is to have the identity of a lion, to recognize that you have a roar that's stronger than the roars that are staring you down. Come on, I came to preach to y'all this morning. Get your roar back. Get your roar back. You can't face the mouths of lions and yet not know who you are. You've got to know who you are. In Acts chapter 4, Peter began to preach when there was uh, torture happening against Christians. There was, they were trying to kill Christians. They were throwing Christians in prison. And Peter gets up and he preaches. And the Jews did not like Jesus. During that time, many of the Jews had rejected Jesus. And here Peter was a Jew himself. And he was trying to convince his brothers. He was, he was saying, listen, guys, Jesus is the only way. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, no other name. There is no other name by which we are saved. See, we get our roar by recognizing his roar. We get the, we get the courage. When I say roar, I'm talking about courage, boldness, confidence. Some of y'all are like, are you saying that I'm supposed to walk around roaring in my business, roaring at Walmart, roaring at quit? You might scare some people. I'm saying we need to start walking around not like an anemic church, but a courageous church. We got to stop walking around like we're weak, we're on the defense, we're running, we're cowards. No, no, no. This is a courageous church. There's a reputation about victory going on right now in our world, and it's a good reputation. It's a reputation of courage. I'm meeting people out on the streets. They're like, oh, you're part of that rooftop church. You're part of that church that won't shut down. You're part of that church that's opening up in the middle of craziness, that's shouting the name of Jesus, that's feeding four million people meals, groceries, that's leading thousands of people to Christ, that's stopping sex trafficking. You're part of that church that doesn't care about the political correct this baloney that's being spread through all this propaganda on Twitter and Instagram, and you're part of the church that doesn't give up. <laughs> I'm about to get crazy. We're going to have to rate this sermon PG-13. It takes the heart of a lion to stand up to the mouths of lions. I remember when my sister Sarah was in Ecuador in 2001 or 2002, and I was on the front row. I was cheering her on. She was preaching. And she was preaching about the power we have, the authority of the believer. We don't hear a lot about that these days. But when you're a believer, you have authority. And that authority does not come from your personality, what Enneagram number you are. David did not get his courage because he was the son of Jesse. Because his dad forgot about him. 
I don't get my courage from my personality or even from uh, my bloodline that I'm connected to Billy Joe and Sharon Darty. Just because you're related to someone doesn't give you courage. You've got to find courage deep down inside you from a relationship with Jesus. David was the youngest son of his, his brothers, uh, uh, youngest son of his family. His dad forgot about him. And yet David was the most courageous soldier to fight Goliath. Everyone else was running. What gave Esther the courage to walk in front of the king? What gave Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego the courage to stand when everyone else was bowing down to the idol in the land in Babylon? That courage didn't come from uh, their strengths finder test. It didn't come from what a coach told them. It didn't come from what a teacher said to them. It came from a deep understanding. They knew whose they were. And because they knew whose they were, they knew who they were. And they knew that the God inside of them was greater than the idols in front of them, was greater than the problems in front of them, greater than the giants in front of them. So my sister Sarah was preaching on the authority of the believer. And I'm on the front row cheering. And all of a sudden, something happened. She was holding a microphone that had a cord that was connected to the sound booth. So it wasn't a cordless mic. It had the cord. And she was holding a chain. And we just got done doing a drama called Bondage. And in the drama, it was all about this girl who was wrapped in a chain. Uh, and the devil was pulling her with a chain. And Jesus came and he broke the chains. Come on, he breaks chains. And um, the chains represented bondage to drugs, to alcohol, to sexual adultery, lust, uh, all kinds of stuff. And so she's talking about how as believers, we've got to rise up and speak the name of Jesus against every addiction, every, every chain. So she's holding this chain. She's holding this microphone. And as she's preaching, all of a sudden she gets stuck on this one word. And we were like, what is happening right now? And she's shaking. And 15 seconds felt like no one knew what to do. She's just shaking. We didn't realize she was getting electrocuted. She was getting electrocuted. And there's 5,000 people in the room watching. And finally she goes, Jesus! And the microphone falls from her hand. The chain falls from this hand. She flies back on the stage. She stands back up and she finished that sermon. And here's what I'm telling you right now. The name of Jesus has more power than any electricity, any electrocution, any, any kind of power, any kind of darkness that's messing with you. Is that a true story? Sarah's right here. Sarah, stand up. Pastor Sarah Worley and her husband, Caleb, right here in this church. There's power in the name of Jesus. This is why I wrote this song that our church is singing right now. Because the world needs to be reminded of the power that we have in the name of Jesus. Just five weeks ago, I sat down in our house and I began to write these words. There's no other name. There's no other name. There's no other name. There's no other name. Let me tell you, there is no president that has ever lived or will live that can even stand against the power that we have in Jesus. There is no government. There's no law. There's no Supreme Court justice. There's no doctor. There's no scientist that is greater than the great physician, the healer. There is no one out there that could even come close to the greatness of Jesus. The question is, do you believe it? Because it's true. But if you don't believe it, you won't see the results of it. You won't see the power of it in your life. So I started writing these words. This song began to stir in my heart. When I speak your name, darkness has to flee. Did you know when you speak the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee? 
Literally, the name of Jesus is like light, and light exposes the darkness. Light drives out the darkness. That's what John chapter 1 said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And light entered into the earth, and the darkness could not overpower. There is power. The name of Jesus overpowers demons. When I'm talking to non-Christians and, and people who are interested in, in Christianity, one thing that they do agree on is demonic activity. They say, you know, I kind of believe in the exorcist. Like, you've seen that movie? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I believe in that stuff. I believe in demons and stuff. The world recognizes that there is real power in the demonic uh, world. In the demo and by the way, if you're not watching the news, it's happening in our nation. There's demonic confusion that's trying to mess with the church, that's trying to mess with America, that's trying to mess with families, marriages, men, women. Right now, anxiety, stress, depression is at an all-time high. Suicide rates are up. Who do you think spreading that? That's demonic activity. Divorce rates, people who are feeling unemployed, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to turn, tired of going to online for everything, trying to find some substance somewhere. That's why we're opening our doors because people need a physical encounter with Jesus. And I'm all for online church, but I'm telling you there is something powerful when you get in a room full of believers just lifting up the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter two, verse eight says, Jesus, who was found in the appearance of a man, yet he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Talk about courage. Jesus gave his life for us. Death on a cross, the most torturous death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. God gave him the name that's above every name. So I wrote that in the song. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. All creation sings out. Worthy are you. Name above all names. High and lifted up. There's no other name. There's no higher name that can save us. When I speak that name, demons tremble. Darkness has to flee. In Acts chapter 4, there was, actually it was Acts chapter 19, there was these people that were trying to drive out demons. And it says in verse 13 that some of these itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord of Jesus. By the way, you can speak the name of Jesus even if you don't believe in it and it still has power. But beware because there will be consequences as you speak that if you don't have a connection to it. So watch what happens. They speak the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And they said these words, we exercise this spirit by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. God wants you to know his name for yourself. God doesn't want you to say, I preach the name of Jesus that Pastor Paul preaches. I declare in the name of Jesus that Billy Graham believes in. No, no, you believe in that name. You speak that name. You have authority. I don't know if I have the same authority that Billy Joe Darty or that Oral Robert. No, 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 you do. As a believer, as a child of God, you have authority, but you've got to exercise. Speak that name. These guys didn't have it. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did these things. And watch what happens in verse 15 of Acts 19. The evil spirit answers these guys and says, Jesus I know, and the apostle Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? And watch what happens right after the demon talks to them. Who are you? 
the man in whom the evil spirit was in, that evil spirit leaped off of him and overpowered them who were trying to cast the demons out and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. What's happening in the church in America right now is the devil is trying to leave us naked and wounded, naked without authority, naked churches, churches who have no courage, Christians who have no backbone. I just got to bow down to what, whatever they're telling me to do. I don't want to offend anybody naked and wounded. Don't even know who we are. I'm just whatever Enneagram tells me I am. I think I'm a six slash seven slash four. I don't know. I'm just whatever the strengths finder says. I, you know, I've been taking all these personality tests and I, I, they're going to tell me who I am. You're a child of God. You were a child of God before you were a number on Enneagram. You were a child of God before you were some strengths finder disc test. You're a child of God before you're an American citizen. Rise up with your authority. You're a child of God before you're a Republican or a Democrat. You're a child of God. Get your authority back. Get your power back. Get your roar back. So these guys, they leave naked and wounded. Naked and wounded. Offended. Wounded. The church is wounded with offense. We got to get our authority. We got to get our trust back in him. The roar comes from putting our faith in the name of Jesus. The righteous are bold as a lion because they've put their faith in him, not in their good works. Jesus said that there is no other way to the father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's John 14, verse 6. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You cannot get into heaven by being a good person. You can't get in. You cannot succeed in life without knowing who Jesus is. You might make money. You might drive a nice car. You might live in a big house. You might be successful in the eyes of people, but inwardly your soul is bankrupt. Without Jesus, we're nothing. I don't get my courage based on how many scriptures I've read in the Bible this week. I don't get my roar based on whether I've been the best. The roar is not dependent on my name. The roar is dependent on his name. My power does not come from Paul David Doherty. My power comes from Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. When I speak his name, I have authority. When I speak his name over my mind, when my mind's feeling oppressed and confused. Here, here's a good example. I, was, uh, I remember as a kid, um, there was an older friend of my brother and I's. His name was Daniel Grothy. And Daniel Grothy, he would... Uh, come over to our house and he'd say, let's go walk to ORU because my parents lived a couple, like a mile from ORU, Oral Roberts University. And so we say, okay, let's ride our bikes or let's go for a walk. We'd walk over to ORU's campus. And usually when we would walk over there, there was a baseball game. There was something happening on campus. And so Daniel would walk in front of us just courageous. You know, he just kind of had like a strut. He just knew who he was. We're walking behind him kind of like this. He'd go up to the front part of the ballpark at the baseball stadium at ORU. And they'd say, what can we do for you, sir? You know, he's like 12 years old. We were eight and nine years old behind him. And he'd say, we want to get into the baseball game. And they say, well, you got to buy a ticket. And he said, I don't think you know who we are. <laughs> we would just put our heads down. <laughs> and he'd say, do you know who these two boys are? And the guy at the ticket teller would be like, no, I don't know who these boys are. And he would say, these are the sons of Billy Joe Darty. 
the pastor of Victory Church across the street, a board member at ORU. We would just be keeping our heads down, like so embarrassed. Why is he name dropping our dad? Some of y'all need to name drop your dad. Some of y'all need to name drop your savior. You've been getting beat up by the devil. You need to start name dropping. Come on. Some of y'all have not been using the name you're connected to. Everybody say name drop. You need to drop the name of Jesus on every spirit that's been messing with your mind, your marriage, your family, your money, your business. You go, I don't know, Paul. I mean, I think we just need to cool it, go grab a cup of coffee. No, you need to speak the name of Jesus. You need to speak the name of Jesus over every addiction, every stronghold, every temptation, every sickness, coronavirus. I'm speaking the name of Jesus over you. Confusion, I'm speaking the name. When I speak his name, darkness has to flee. Mountains have to move. Chains have to be loosed. Demons have to flee. Hearts have to be healed. Bodies begin to line up with the word of God. When I speak the name of Jesus, there's power. There's authority. So when Daniel said, these are the sons of Billy Joe Doherty, they said, oh, come on into the baseball game. So we'd walk in there. I remember this happened multiple times, and, and the person at the ticket place would be like, you want me to get you guys some popcorn? We were like, yeah. Like, you guys are the sons of Billy Joe Doherty. We're like, yeah, that's true. But it was because of my dad's character that we had open doors. My dad's name, his character, it carried weight. You have a Savior in heaven whose name carries weight. His character carries weight. You might not have the best character, but you have a savior who has the best character. You might feel ashamed. Here's what the enemy does. He wants to remind you of your mistakes. He wants you to think that all the power rests on your name. So you go, oh man, I've made too many mistakes. Who am I to walk with courage? Who am I to stand up? I've, I've slipped, I've messed up, I've said things I shouldn't have said, I've done things. Who am I to ask for healing? I've, I haven't tithed enough, I haven't read my Bible. Who am I to believe God for a breakthrough in my finances when I haven't been doing the right things my whole life. The power doesn't rest on your name. The weight is not on your name. It's not on your character. It's on his character. Some of y'all need to name drop. You need to name drop that you're a son of Papa God. You're a child of Jesus. You are connected to the family. Y'all need to somebody say name drop. Have you ever been around a name dropper before? Yeah, I've been around, I'm in the circle and it's like they just keep on dropping all these names of people they know. They're like, yeah, I was hanging out with this guy and that guy and this guy. And I'm like, all right, name dropper. But some of us are dropping all the names except for the name of Jesus. And when we do drop it, we drop it in vain. And we wonder why we don't have power. It's because you're shouting Jesus Christ in a vain way. You're shouting God and you're following it up with a cuss word afterwards. And you're wondering why you're not seeing the results. It's because you got to get your faith and your reverence back in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to speak it over your bedroom, over your bathroom, over your son, over your daughter. Jesus Christ, Jesus, I speak the name of Jesus right now. I remember I was in a car accident uh, not too long ago. And, and right as the accident was happening, I just said, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. And I remember walking out of that car accident and realizing if it wasn't for the power and the blood and the protection of Jesus, I should have been crammed in that car. How many have seen God's provision, his protection, his faithfulness, his favor? Come on. I want the band to come out. There's power in the name of Jesus. You need to drop that name. Somebody say drop that name. 
Speak that name. Jesus has power over whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through. That's how we get our roar back is when we begin to put our hope and our trust in the name of Jesus. In that song, I wrote these words. When I speak your name, mountains have to move. That's a scripture. Mark eleven twenty three. Whoever says to this mountain, be moved, be cast into the sea. When I speak your name, chains break loose. Guys, we have a song right now in our church that the world needs to hear. And I'm saying that because everywhere I turn, I just feel like I'm hearing so much junk, so much confusion, so much chaos, so much division. And all I can think to, to do in the middle of this is just say, Jesus, 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 help Portland, Oregon. Jesus, help California. Jesus, Jesus, help what's going on in our government right now. Jesus, Jesus, speak right now of our mayor and our governor. Jesus, in the midst of all of this crazy division. Jesus, there's power in that name. There's power in that name. There's healing in that name. When I speak that name, hearts begin to heal. When you speak the name coronavirus, I speak the name of Jesus over that. Depression in America, I speak the name of Jesus over that. Suicidal thoughts, Jesus. Jesus. Where's the singles at in the room? Those who aren't married yet, or those who aren't married in the room, raise your hand. Singles, what if for the next several weeks, y'all are like looking around, you're like, oh, I didn't know that about her. Jesus, 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 help them find their mates. But what if, what if for the next several weeks you just begin to exercise the power of the name of Jesus? Just every time you're, you're feeling any type of thoughts. By the way, there's a part in the song I wrote where I, I, wrote, I wrote these words, um, you're the mercy I need when my heart feels weak. And when I wrote that, I thought, oh, I can't talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. And then I was reminded, Hebrews chapter 4 says he, he empathizes with our weaknesses. He says, bring on those weaknesses. When you're tempted, I get it. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Singles, he sympathizes with your weaknesses, your temptations, your struggles. Where's the married people at? Married people, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, married people. What if we begin to exercise the name of Jesus in our marriage? Just speak in the name of Jesus over your spouse. Just pray in the name of Jesus, putting it up in your bedroom, put it at your nightstand, put it in your bathroom. Get the song playing in your house. Where's parents at? Moms and dads, single moms, single dads, dads, parents, all of you guardians. What if we begin to speak the name of Jesus over our children, teaching them the, the power we have as believers, that when we say that name, the nightmares that they're having, as we pray the name of Jesus when they're going to bed, that they're gonna have sweet sleep. Guys, I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus. Some of us trust more in Netflix than we do Jesus. We trust more in the economy than we do Jesus. And that's not where we find our strength. That's not where we find our hope. That's not where we find our peace. We find it in the name of Jesus. While the world is getting darker, the light is still available and his name is Jesus. While our society is confused and busy without a purpose and hurting and using band-aids to try to heal wounds that only the great physician can heal. While our world is thirsty and hungry and searching for affirmation, looking for direction, wondering what the answers are, his name is Jesus. Always has been, always will be. Jesus. There's a part in the song where I wrote, you're the truth in the way. 
And the reason I wrote it is because I keep hearing about people who are deconstructing their faith, walking away from Christianity, adopting all these other religions, trying to get this and this and this and this. And I'm going, what? It's ridiculous. And when I read why they walk away from faith, it's so shallow walking away from Christianity because I went through a tough time and I didn't feel God. He was right there. He was carrying you through that. What, what good is our theology if we crumble during a tough season? What kind of theology do you have if you can't handle pain? Jesus said, arm yourself because you will experience suffering. You will have troubles in this life, but take heart. I've overcome the world. The lion of Judah is stronger in you than the trials and the suffering and the difficulty and the pain in your marriage and the pain in our nation and the pain in our families. Don't walk away from Christ. He's the only hope for your life. Money can't fix our problems. Drugs can't fix our problems. The government's not going to fix our, only Jesus can bring that healing that we need. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope of the world. He's what we're looking for. He's who we need in this hour. And he understands you. Did you know Jesus, his name is throughout the entire Bible. It's throughout the entire Bible. It's, it's on every page. It's in every book of the Bible. Let me show it to you. In Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman a descendant of Abraham, a king in the line of Judah, in the order of Melchizedek. In Exodus, Jesus is the Passover lamb. He's the leader, the deliverer out of slavery. In Leviticus, Jesus is my high priest. He's personified by the sacrifices and the offering. He's the scapegoat. That's what Christ does as our high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the fire by night. He's the Messiah that will be our king. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of my salvation. In Judges, He's the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's my kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's the prophet of the Lord, exalted by God with power. He's the faithful friend like Jonathan. He's like David taking on Goliath. In First and Second Kings, in First and Second Chronicles, Jesus is the reigning king for the millennial reign. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. He's the builder of the temple like Zerubbabel. In Nehemiah, Jesus is the rebuilder of broken down walls, the rebuilder of broken down dreams. He's the rebuilder of the walls of salvation. In Esther, Jesus is Mordecai. He's my guardian. He stands at my defense. In Job, he's the day spring from on high, the sufferings and the subsequent blessings. In Psalms, Jesus is the Lord, my shepherd, the resurrected son of God. In Proverbs, he's my wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's my life. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet, the righteous branch. He is my righteousness. In Ezekiel, he's the son of man, a descendant of David. In Daniel, he's the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven, giving an everlasting kingdom. In Hosea, he's the bridegroom, married to the backslidden woman. And he's still faithful. He's still faithful. In Joel, he's baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's a mighty savior. In Jonah, he's the forgiving God. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's the great evangelist. He's crying for revival. In Zephaniah, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Haggai, he's the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, he's the pierced son. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. He's rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the king. In Mark, 
he's the servant. In Luke, he's the son of God. In John, he's the begotten son, the lamb that was slain, the bread of life, the light of the world, the great I am. In Acts, he's the ascended Lord. In Romans, he's the justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, he's the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, he's the one who sets me free. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of riches. In Philippians, he's the God who meets my needs. Jehovah Jireh. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's the soon coming King. In First and Second Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's my pastor. In Philemon, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood that washes away my sins. In James, he's the great physician. In first and second Peter, he's the chief shepherd. In first and second and third John, he's the everlasting love. In Jude, he's the Lord who came down with 10,000 saints. And in Revelation, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is Jesus. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.
You conquered the grave. Your love made a way. Forever you reign. Jesus, you conquered my grave. You conquered my grave. Your love gave away. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus, oh Jesus. Just close your eyes across this place. I believe there's two groups of people here today that need to make a decision. One group you're here and you, you have not been walking in the authority that you need to be walking in as a believer. And you know it. You've not been exercising that name of Jesus over your feelings, over your thoughts, over your relationships. You've not been speaking it. You've not been standing on it. And today you're saying, I need to get back to that place where I'm putting my full trust, my full attention. I am putting all that I believe in, in that name that is above every name. And I'm going to start speaking it and declaring it over situations. That's you. I want you to raise your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. 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 Today, God's just charging you saying, get your roar back. Get your courage back. Get your boldness back. Get your life back. Get your authority back. Secondly, there's a group here today and you say, I'm not right with God. I'm not right. If, I, if I'm honest, there's things in my life that aren't good. I need to repent and I need to surrender to Jesus. He's the only one who can save you. Harry Krishna can't do it. Allah can't do it. Gandhi can't do it. There's not a book out in the world. There's no secret book out in the world besides the Bible is the greatest thing. And I'm telling you, the truth is Jesus. The hope is Jesus. The life is Jesus. Paul, how do you know? How do you know? Don't you ever get confused? Sure, the enemy tries to confuse me with stuff. Sure, the enemy tries to distract, but I'm telling you, I know deep down in my soul, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Whoever has the Son has life. And today, if that's you and you're saying, man, I need to get, I need to get his forgiveness. I need to get right with Jesus. I need to surrender to him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Today is your day to say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I repent. Jesus, I put my hope and my faith in you. If that's you, raise your hand. If you're watching online, raise your hand. Can we give a big hand clap today for those who are making that decision? Come on. Come on. The angels go wild when one sinner repents and comes home to Jesus. You know, before we end today, I want to shout the name of Jesus, but I want to do this. If you need Jesus to intervene in a situation you're facing, maybe it's financially, maybe it's in your marriage, your family, your health. Maybe you came in and you got a doctor's report and you're nervous and there's all kinds of things going on. If you need Jesus to intervene in a situation right now in your life, would you leave your seat? Come and just stand at this altar as a step of faith. I'm not going to touch you. No one else will. But I just feel like there's a boldness that comes when you take a step to say, I need Jesus to get involved in this current problem that I'm facing, this situation, this addiction, this stronghold, this relationship, this thing going on between me and him, me and her, this thing that's going on at work, this thing that the doctor said about me recently. 
this thing that I've been wrestling with, this anxiety that's stirring me up at night. Whatever you need Jesus to get involved in, if that's you. And as they're coming down to the altar, church, I'm gonna ask us to do something. Let me ask you here today, how many of you would say that you felt the power and the presence of God today in this church? Come on. How many of you feel like you know some people in your life that need Jesus, that need the power and the presence of God? We're in an hour where the church has got to open up. It's got to rise up. And if we have to do another service after the 11 a.m. because people are lining up to come to Jesus, that's what I get excited about. I don't mind if we have to have a, a 1 p.m., a 4 p.m., a 5 p.m., because I think people are hungry for an encounter with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you this week, invite someone to church for next Sunday. Secondly, if you have not gotten the song, When I Speak Your Name, get it. Get it on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. It's free. Go to the bookstore. This week, I sent out several physical CD copies because I knew some people who don't have like the MP3, the, the computer technology to download it to their phone. So I said, hey, just play this in your car. Why? Because I know that there's some people that really need to put their faith in Jesus. There's some marriages, some families, some people that are wrestling with health issues. And I said, just play this song. And I believe in the words. I believe that when people are listening to that song, sickness is going to be driven out. Fear is going to be driven out. They're going to be able to sleep sound at night. Healing is going to come to their body, to their mind, to the relationships. So if you would this week, get that song, share it with a friend, share it with somebody. Let somebody know that whatever problem they're facing, the name of Jesus is stronger than that problem. And that's your song. Everybody say, that's our song. Come on, that's victory song. That's you guys. I want you to carry that. Lord, I pray for every man and woman at this altar. God, you know what's going on in their life. You know the situation. You know the problem. You know the difficulty. God, I'm asking you right now to intervene in this situation. We speak the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is greater than any other name, greater than cancer, greater than coronavirus, greater than compromise, greater than addiction, greater than bondages, greater than, than any depression or anxiety or sleeplessness. So today we speak the name of Jesus. Just say it at this altar. Jesus, 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 Jesus. His name is greater. We plead the blood of Jesus. Just say this with me. Jesus, I surrender. I'm all yours. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And when I speak your name, Jesus, demons have to flee. Depression has to go. Darkness has to go. Anxiety has to go. Jesus, your name is greater. Jesus, your name is higher. Jesus, I'm a child of God and I'm walking in authority. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you.